0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Lisa Tamari, a professional adventure athlete. She's a two-time best-selling author and just released her third book, Relentless. She's also a documentary producer, podcaster at Pushing the Limits, motivational speaker, run coach, epigenetics health coach, and mindset expert. She's competed in many of the toughest endurance events on the planet, from a 217-kilometer race through Death Valley the hottest place on earth, plus over 140 other ultra marathons. Just just let that sink in for a minute. And in the game of business and life, our mindset and health play such a big part in how far we can go. You can have all the advantages and all the potential in the world, but if your health fails you, when you mentally give up, you'll go nowhere. So I've asked Lisa to join us here today to help us upgrade our skills and understanding of mindset, grit, peak performance, and genetics. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
1: Oh, Daryl, it's so cool to be on your show. I'm just so excited to be oh, here, and and thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor.
0: Yeah, it's an honor and pleasure. We've chatted a couple of times. Lisa actually works with my girlfriend. I just we connected so well. You know, it's so funny because I got off the call. I went and talked to Kathy, and I was like, she's intense. She's my intense. Like I could feel. <laughs> People tell me I'm intense and I could feel your intensity and I was like, wow, I like like it. It's good because it's that you, I guess you have to be intense, like that mental fortitude, right? To do those accomplishments. So now, but before, you know, we dive into that, you know, before we get into all this stuff and where you're at now, how did you, like you, were you, do you feel like you were just born with this sort of grit and determination and mental fortitude or like where, where did you first kind of get pushed into that? You know, like where were your first trials like to you know to develop yeah. this tools?
1: Yeah, really good question. So yeah, I, I get your, your thing on the intensity, Daryl. And that's why I think we clicked immediately because yeah, I, <laughs> I am full of full of beans, full of energy and just fully excited into life and and sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming for some people like my husband who likes to cruise (laughs) but just yeah so I grew up in New Zealand and rural New Zealand and I had a wonderful sort of 1970s giving way, my age uh, upbringing really outdoorsy you know really good natural lifestyle and I had a I had a dad who was a real hard ass I mean he was an awesome dad but he was he was really uh, disciplined and taught us a lot about hard work and discipline and and being mentally tough and he sort of didn't suffer falls and I think that really colored my sort of early childhood and sort of you know you you grew up sort of having to handle a bit, little bit of stuff you know mm-hmm. which um, mm-hmm. sort of set you in good stead for 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 later life and the knocks that life sort of throws at you as you get older. I was a gymnast as a child and as a young oh, woman wow. and that sport is a pretty brutal hard sport and you know it led to actually quite a few mental issues so like a you know body issues and self-image issues and self-esteem issues and and things like that which we can you know pick apart later if you want to but that also taught me a lot of discipline and you know how to train hard how to work hard how to overcome fears and how to you know deal with pressure cooker situations and stuff like that so yeah while it wasn't all ideal and wasn't you know what what I'd perhaps want for my children if I had any um you know it, it, it did teach me a lot so And then, yeah, in my early adult years, then I got into things like surfing and then into adventures. But um, yeah, to to answer your question, I think I had that intense need for a start. When I was young, I wanted to prove myself. I really wanted to please my dad. And I think that was a driving force right throughout my childhood. If I look back, mm. young girls like to, to do that, I think, you know, mm. daughters and you want to please, like I always had the unconditional love of my mum; She was amazing. So I took that completely for granted as children do. <laughs> and, mm. and dad was harder to please. So I, I sort of wanted to please him and you know that that made me push really hard. I think from the get go, and yeah, I think that grit and determination was sort of baked in because of that.
0: Mm, mm, mm. I love that. And then, how did your business career start? Like, where did you, when did you first? Jump into the forum of entrepreneurship.
1: Well, Daryl, I, I just don't fit the normal box. I, I, I never have. I've always felt like a fish out of water when I, when I was, you know, in corporate jobs, or, and I haven't really been in in paid employment since I was twenty. I, I just can't handle it. You know, I'm unemployable, as I say. <laughs> um, I like to be the the captain of my own ship, for better or worse. And so, I've always just tried to, you know, beginning tried to find ways. I fell flat on my face a number of times, but I just always just kept getting up, learning a little bit more. I've done everything known to man. I've had so many different careers. It's been a really interesting life so far. And I, I think there's many more to do. And I think we're lucky that we live now, especially in a day and age where we can change directions and careers. And we're not stuck in one thing because we did that when we left school, you know, and and I, I've done everything from, yeah, making documentaries, writing Books, hosting TV shows, radio shows, you know, running coaching and speaking, and all of these things. And I, I'm not qualified. In most more well, some of them I am, but most of them I'm not qualified in the normal sense of the word. I just find a way to do stuff.
0: Yeah, no, no one ordained you. No, no institution no. was like you are no. ordained, you've you you live in the it sounds like you're like me, because I never went to university and, and yep. I grew up in a university town. So yep. I always had this sense of having to well, almost like not prove myself, but keep up, you know, like I, you. Yep. I I eat books like candy because you know, when I was a kid and growing up, all my friends were going to university and stuff but we couldn't afford it, but they're reading all these books. And and it's funny because I feel like some of them, because they got ordained and they got their certificate, they stopped being learners. But for me, it was like, it just became like a lifestyle. So it's almost like we live in the world of results, you know, like you were never ordained. But that's because the proof is in the pudding. So exactly. Walk you know, like, yeah, the yeah. talk. Yeah and, yeah,
1: and, yeah. and just have a crack, you know, like I think having that mentality of just go, go, go and take action and fail and, you know, get back up again, learn from that mistake. And that, that resilience, I think that comes from that because you do, you know, uh, fall on your face sometimes and the other times you're hugely successful. So you can never be anything but humble because you know that there could be another a failure around the corner but there could also be a huge success and I think that keeps me really grounded and creeps me really curious and then I've taken all the you know the crap that life sometimes throws at you some of the real bad curveballs that come at you in life and and use those to find where the silver lining is and, and and dive deep into new areas to research and stuff and we can get into that a little bit later.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'm going to kind of jump back and forth between kind of your personal life and your mm-hmm. business life but one of the things i want to ask about now is in talking about you talked about like a lot of uh, challenges i loved how you said your dad dif- didn't suffer fools i love yeah. that i love that <laughs> it um, was a I just love that expression yeah yeah but i want to talk about some of the greatest challenges i mean you know i think a lot of people really do suffer from struggling especially in this instant gratification world that we have and mm. you know in, in a lot of ways uh there's a, a growing sentiment of entit- i don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole but i feel like at least in in our western cultures there's a kind of a growing sentiment of a sense of entitlement you know we've We've had such command of the planet for so long, diseases haven't really been like. When was the last time you knew someone that died of diarrhea? But that it was like a thing, you know. Yeah. Like child mortality used to be like for your parents, you know, and your their parents. Like mm. child, like infant mortality rate was like a real risk. Like all my children may not survive, you know. Yeah. But now people feel kind of, you know, like they're just kind of soft and cushy. So I wanted to ask about what are some of the greatest challenges that you've had to face and and learn about. Grit and mental fortitude specifically, like when you feel like giving up, like how how do you train that? How do you train willpower?
1: Yeah, well I mean I'll, I'll give you some really great examples and actually my, my latest book Relentless is is all about that and the title says it all really. It's um the story of my mum who's been my biggest supporter all my life just an amazing woman. She had an aneurysm 5 years ago and this was like, you know, one of those moments you get the phone call and get up to the hospital mum's collapsed, you know, one of those horrifying moments in life and we we get to the hospital and she was we had a medical misadventure for starters. They misdiagnosed her thought she had a migraine and what actually happened was 6 hours later after me forcing the issue they did a ct scan and found that she had a massive aneurysm which is a bleed in the brain and when this happened like it looked like she wasn't gonna survive, and we had another twelve-hour wait because we live in a regional area where we have only a small hospital to get the air ambulance to get her down to Wellington, our main city with a with a bigger hospital, and get her into surgery. So it was eighteen hours before she got to surgery, and so this was like the you know the worst moment in my life. And I remember my dad at that point, you know, coming over to me and saying, "Well, we better start planning the funeral." And I just grabbed him and I like I know when people are in crisis like this. You have to pretend like you know what you're doing and you have Mm -hmm. to give people jobs so that uh, their emotional brain doesn't start taking over and really Mm -hmm. losing the plot. So my dad's been a firefighter his whole life and stuff. So he he was pretty um, handling it, but I knew that he was about to tip over the edge because this is the love of his life, right? Been Mm -hmm. married for 55 years. And I just said to him, Look, she's breathing, she's alive. Uh, we're going to do everything in my power, Dad. I'm going to do, I promise you, I'm going to do everything in my power to, if we get a second chance, I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring you back. And I promised him and I said, I want you to do, go and do this, get this organized, get down to Wellington, do, do X, Y, Z. And what happened in the next, over the next three weeks, she was in and out of a, a coma as uh, the, you know, the surgeons had uh, surgeries to do. And it was a real fight for her life. And in that time, I started to study because After having that that misadventure, I was like, well, I'm not leaving this up to everyone else. I'm going to find out what the heck I can learn about this. And I dive deep into the rabbit hole of brain injuries and aneurysms and everything Mm -hmm. that was going on. And I'm not a a doctor, but I've been down this rabbit hole now for five years (laughs) since that time. But what happened was my mum... She survived the first three weeks in ICU, and uh, she, when she came out of the the coma, she had basically no higher function. She was in a not much over a vegetative state. So she had no no speech. To she had a couple of words that was about it. She had no memory, no control over any any functions in her body. She you know couldn't push a button. She couldn't find mm-hmm. her mouth to put food in. She was in a really bad shape. And at seventy four years of age, they said to me, "Look, there's just no." Yeah. We can't do anything. Yeah. With her. she's got massive brain damage, and we we need to put her into an institution, and you know, yeah. you know, prepare for the worst. <clears throat> and I just went. I'm I've always been a you know endurance athlete, and I've always done things that people tell me it's impossible. impossible. So I was yeah. just like, no way in hell, I am not giving up the fight. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
0: You really yeah. have to be your own doctor. I don't mean to interrupt. Absolutely, but that's a major thing. Like a lot of people are quick. I think the one of the res, uh, resounding themes here is a sense of ownership. Yep. Because too many people they go to the and sure the doctor is the expert, but you know the doctor can only just guess off of the information you give them. So you mm-hmm. really have to. You know, you really have to be your own CEO of your own life. And, and <sighs> I mean, <laughs> and Kathy had my daughter. They, yeah. You're like, you just, you just have to be careful because, you know, a doctor sees so many people in a day. Yep. You're just one person. You, you really need to take command and, and understand that people are advising you. But so if you delegate the authority, if you delegate the decision making, then you just you know, it's like if you don't vote, that is your vote, right? Like oh,
1: oh Daryl, you're just so on the money there. And you put it really succinctly how I feel that you because because people Tend to just give up the whole ownership and they just hand it over to the to the mm-hmm. doctors. And <clears throat> what they what they're not understanding in that, and this is no indictment to the doctors per se, like personally, but they have a hundred people that day to see. They their mm-hmm. brains are like they may have been on shift for eighteen hours because some of them yeah. work ridiculous yeah. hours. They have limitations about the amount of study they can also do about what is currently the latest research because they are so deep in the weeds of actually fixing people, they can't be up on the the latest information that's coming out of PubMed or the latest clinical data or anything like that so you have to be the one that goes and does the hard yards does the work does the research and not feel as if you you don't have the right to do that because we live in a day and age where we can access the greatest minds on the planet Mm -hmm. and that's what I what I ended up doing with my mum so so you know to come back to her story my first win with her was I, I thought she had uh, sleep apnea um, when she was still in the hospital because I was seeing in her what I had seen in myself when I had altitude sickness, when I was racing at altitudes. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to get a, them to do a sleep assessment. And again, they told me, no, we don't need that. That's rubbish. And yeah. so I, I went against the system. I brought in an outside consultant. I was very popular in the hospital, as you can imagine. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and um, it came back as severe sleep apnea. So she was stopping breathing a couple of hundred times a night. So this was knocking off what little brain cells she had. So yeah, she would not have lived. Have yeah. yeah. Like she wouldn't have lived for more than a few weeks if we hadn't picked that up. So that was my very first win. And from there on, I I did everything I possibly could to rehabilitate her. I fought to take her home after three months when she'd stabilized instead of being put into an institution. And she was 24-7 round-the-clock care. So this is where being an ultramarathon runner really came to the fore because I had to, I had to know how to push my. My own body to the absolute brink and my family had to step up and we had to you know care for her and I did something called hyperbaric oxygen therapy which I really love talking about because I want people to know about this amazing therapy yeah. that really was a key player in her rehabilitation and this is very powerful for not only for uh, aneurysms and strokes but everything from cancer to cerebral palsy to diabetic wounds to burns because it hyperoxygenates the body, produces more stem cells, hits inflammation pathways. I could rattle on about it for hours. Anyway, mm. I managed to do this like, and to cut a really long story short, my mum went from not being able to speak and not being able to, to move or control anything in her body to now being a fully functioning woman with her own power of attorney over her own life, full independence. She has a full driver's license. She's off today somewhere in with her sister at the movies, you know, and This has been, it took me three years to get her back to a level where I'd said she had like 90% back. And now we're five years into this journey. And I trained her seven days a week still. I have every biohacking gadget known to man. I have her on a hundred supplements a day of different things that I've researched. She's probably like close to bike the being the bionic woman. <laughs> but I have my mum back. And, that, and this is why I wrote that book because, I mean, I've written three books and my first two were about it, my running adventures in the most craziest, you know, places on the planet and doing stupid things. But this one was really – it had some running stories in there, but they were like the, the catalyst for the mindset that was required to get my mum through this and this never-say-die mm. attitude that I, that I had to have and still have. And and this is, is so it's so important for me to get that message out there because so many people are just written off
0: mm. as
1: you've got a terminal illness, you've got cancer, or you, you whatever the case may be, and there's no hope for you. When yeah. that is not true. There is very often, if you go digging in the literature, if you go searching for the right experts in this area, you'll find things that are at least worth having a crack at, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I want people to take away from that book. So to come back to your original story about resilience, that was one of the, the, obviously, the toughest times of my life. And having the background that I had really helped me get through that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lessons I wrote down from this is basically maintain ownership, get into the details. That was something that you really like, really get into the details. Don't just take someone else's, you know, opinion, but go, go deep. Yep. Seek out experts like constantly, like constantly learn and mm-hmm. persevere. You know, that's those are really the lessons of that. I mean, when this happened with your mom, you took ownership. You didn't just delegate it to the you understand that. I mean, it's your family and your life and you're almost choosing your experience you want. Do you want to just sit there and watch your mom decay? Do you want to get involved? You took ownership. And then again, you got into the details. You were like observing her sleep, you know, and then you're like, let's analyze this, like, like, you know, obsess over the little details. Like that's so many people. You know, right now, the time recording, we're kind of in the middle of this pandemic, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's only 1%. But, you know, like, man, 1% is a massive, like, you know, a banking industry makes billions of dollars charging small percentage points on that. Elections are won and lost on a percent or less. Like, 1% is massive. A 1% reduction in your hydration during an endurance competition can have a massive like it it people like it's easy to just brush it off but it really like the devil is in the details. I, I have six years in uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and wow. once you learn the techniques and the and all that it really is it's a game of inches you know it's a game of like just just that one inch. I just need that one inch advantage and then I have all the leverage that I need. You know, yeah, it's, it's anyway, so those were the real ones, the lessons I pulled out of that maintain ownership, get into the details, (laughs) obsessive with the details, seek out experts, you know, never stop learning and persevere. Like Yeah, and
1: fight like crazy. I mean, if you're alive, fight like mad, you know, like, for me, life is precious. And I, you know, unfortunately, been through a journey recently with my father, who we, in this case, lost. And he, and I was fighting. He had um, aortic aneurysm six months ago, and he was in the hospital. He'd survived this incredibly huge operation. He was 81 years old, but in very good mm-hmm. shape. But in his case, I was fighting for intravenous vitamin C, which is a very simple thing to be asking mm-hmm. for. You would think when someone is dying of sepsis and there is no other thing working, and I would just came up against a brick wall in the medical world where I was fighting ethics committees, legal battles, every single doctor and every single nurse in that ICU. I had to get permission to do this. I had to get my yeah. my own doctor legally covered. And I fought like, like I did for my mum, and I fought with everything, but I was up against a beast of a system and it took me 15 days. And I knew that intravenous vitamin C, cause I have done the research. I have the scientists, I, you know, on my show pushing the limits, I've just interviewed five of the world leading experts on vitamin C. And I knew that this was, a chance for him, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let me do it. They wouldn't let me do it until 15 days. It took me to get permission, and by then he had multiple organ failure and was at at death's door. Mm-hmm. So I know what it is to fight against, you know, David against Goliath. and yes. In this case, I unfortunately lost that battle, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because I didn't fight tooth and nail for him. And he 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 will know that I did.
0: And, right, you well, know. He knows. And we're all going to go at some point. And I mean, at least the grace and peace of mind and the love he must have felt. And just having been part of that journey with your mom. Yeah. I I know me with my daughter and, you know, and her mom, I... I, I, it's okay. I can go anytime as long as they're taken care of, you know, exactly. So I, I think it's fine. I think.
1: I, you know, and, and that was one of the beautiful things, Daryl, is my dad was just a, such a dedicated husband and he, when Mum got sick, he, he is totally dedicated to her rehabilitation and he's, he got to see her come back to full health before we lost him. And I know he would not like have
0: liked it the other way around. Oh yeah. A thousand you know? I, as a, as a man, yeah, uh, I mean that's what uh, you know. Not to get into gender roles because yep. people are different, but there really is a yin and a yang. There really is a, a gender aspect to everything. Everything mm. has a duality and a polarity. Mm. And I know it leaves the masculine side. Like we are the protectors and the defenders. Like we, you know, go back to our nomadic days. Like we were the hunters and the fighters, and we were the ones that would die protecting our family. That's our you're like we're the white blood cells. That's what we're supposed to. Be. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's fulfilling his his you know his full potential. So.
1: Yeah. What about in
0: business? What were some of the greatest challenges that you've had to overcome or lessons that you had to overcome in business? Oh, my God. What haven't like I if, faced if, in business? Like, Jeez. like <laughs> if you had to try to, if you had to, you know, if you could talk to yourself at the beginning of your business career, what are the things that you would tell yourself to focus on?
1: Um, I, I have a tendency, and I still have a tendency, Daryl, to be so curious and so interested in so many things. That focus is one of my biggest issues in time management so I'm so passionate about so many things that I end up (laughs) having so and so many opportunities come my way because I'm always like just networking and, and talking to the most incredible people that I have trouble focusing and I have big problems with systematizing because I'm very action orientated I just want to you know I have a good idea I'm doing it five minutes later there's no planning there's no you know strategic uh, and I know I drive my business partner mad but what we've now done and with that because he knows that that's the way I am because I'm very adrenaline based as from a genetic point of view because I study genetics and stuff he knows that that's that's my role in the business is to create opportunities rip open I'm the one that's sort of drives that sort of side of it and he comes and cleans up the mess and systematizes things and behind me as best as he possibly can so understanding and knowing your weaknesses I think is a big key to success Mm. and then finding partners and this is the hard part finding partners and people and this is why I love working with Kathy because she is exactly what I'm not and and I'm loving working with her with our podcast and what we're doing because she and her team give me the the I, I, I can I can give that over to her knowing that it's all done it's all taken care of and I can get that out of my mind and I can focus on what I'm good at and I think when you can get to that stage and it's very hard as a, when you're starting up as an entrepreneur, uh, because you have to wear every single hat in the business. And that is a tough thing for any of us to, to, to deal with until you get to a certain size and you can start taking on contractors and team members, and then hopefully employees and so on and so forth. So it's hanging in there. It's being persistent. It's focusing, but it's also knowing when to give up on dead horses, because that's mm-hmm. another thing that I did wrong. For example, yeah, I had yeah. a jewelry, so I'm a, a goldsmith <laughs> um, as well. I learned in Vienna, and jewelry, a jewelry shop was really good for a number of years. And then China, with the mass production and you know industrialization, came, and all the handmade, one-off pieces that we were making just became impossible to compete with China, basically. And I flogged that horse to death because it was what I knew and loved, and you, you know what I mean? It, it was time I to get up. I think a lot up. of people
0: are facing that right now. Yeah. The world's changed so abruptly, yeah. and just it's been a world – it's been a forcing function around the world. Yeah, And there's a lot of people, and it's painful to let go, but when your hands are full, you can't you can't receive anything. It anymore. is so good. That's,
1: and, you're and, so good at putting things really nicely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you read a lot, you collect a lot of one-liners. So, um <laughs> Yeah but I agree a thousand percent. That's a really good lesson. I think that's a fantastic two things that you said, I think are really important. Well, we'll go, th- go through the four. One was the focus and time management. Cause if without focus and time management, like it's just, it's just like there's a certain amount of energy that has to be, there's a gra- it's called a gravity debt. If you want to send a, an escape velocity, if you want to put a, a rocket ship in outer space, like this, the earth is just spinning at a certain rate and you have to go that rate plus extra to get, you know, to go the opposite direction. So there's just like a, a focus and a certain number of hours, whether you're doing it or someone else is doing it, that work, you know, must be done. Yeah. And so that's just an energy thing. It just needs a focus and time. The systems and processes, that's kind of everything. Like Yeah, you know, it is. You know, and, and that feeds into the third one where you talked about knowing your strengths and partnering with people strong in your weaknesses. Because I think there's a huge fallacy that's going on in the world where people are being pushed to like, you know, Uh, like, you know, to be well-rounded, I mean, you want to be a well-rounded person. Sure. It sounds nice, but in the reality is you want to specialize, Yes. not out of yourself because you, you know, you could spend your entire life trying to improve something you're weak at, but if you don't enjoy it, if you're weak at it, you can learn and develop it. But if you just want to have an easier (laughs) stress-free life. Just, you know, play with people that that's their, that's their strength, that's their power. And that's the danger, echo chambers, because then you you avoid that. You need that back and forth.
1: Yeah. So, and it, and but, it is really tough at the very startup because you don't have anybody. You can't afford right. anybody and, and you're saying you're having to, but as soon as you can get that first helper, yes, it, yes. or you can partner with someone, collab with someone, give yep. someone a piece of the, the, the work to do and give up what, you know, because I mean, I've burnt myself out trying to be all things to all people. Uh, over the years as well. And even in my coaching and trying to answer everything because that's it's just my nature as well. Yep. And, I know, and I now know I have to focus in and I have to stay focused on certain courses and stick to those not jump to the next new shiny object which i have a tendency to do personally right. and in and, and in having those systems and processes which i find just horrific you know like for me it's like mm-hmm. ugh, it's like walking through treacle i hate it but i know it works you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've uh i've done you know things like hyperbaric oxygen clinics and, and things like that uh, pretty much everything i've i've done because I've been passionate about helping people Mm. and that that makes for a very fulfilled life Mm. it doesn't always make for an easy life I I certainly could have had things easier I think but you know Mm. at the end of the day I want to leave a legacy when I leave this world I want to have an impact as big an impact as I can on as many lives as I can with the knowledge that I have and the experiences I have so that's what I'm working towards if that makes
0: sense it makes perfect sense. Now, let me ask about habits and routines. I'm a big believer that our results in our life come from our daily and weekly disciplines. It's fun to plan out a year and a 3-year and a 5-year plan and even the you know, the next 12 weeks, the next 3 months, the quarter but, you know, it all happens one step at a time. And I'm a big fan of daily and weekly routines and habits. And if you wanna, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. What are some of the ones that you feel have best served you?
1: Well, being, being an athlete, I think this is one of the things why being an athlete is such a good mentality thing, because you mm. you know you if you don't train, you aren't going to get fitter. And if you don't mm-hmm. put the work in, when you stand at the start line of that race, your ass is going to get kicked. So you learn uh, the discipline of – going through pain in order to feel pleasure later. Um, so you learn that delayed gratification. Some of the some of the things that I do, so I I mean, just I'll give you an example out of my daily life. So I usually get up around 6.30, 7 a.m. I usually go for a walk in the sunshine so that I get light on my eyes because it's really important to get that morning circadian rhythm, you know, That's the right. sunshine on your eyes, get a bit of vitamin D that gets my body, my metabolism up and running. I don't eat. In the morning, I try to intermittent fast for as long as I can. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not, (laughs) uh, depending on how hungry I get. Uh, So strikes, uh, you know, I sort of don't, I I go outside, get that sunshine. I usually do a little bit of five minutes, just five minutes of yoga. I have my supplements and and that sort of thing, that regime. Then I get into some work because I know that my brain from, because I've studied epigenetics and genetics, I know that my brain is at its best at around 9am in the morning. Mm. so 8 till 10 11 I'm full on in the intellectual hard work if you like and then I will usually have to take my mum for training because mm. I train her uh, and look after her between 10 30 and three o'clock and then usually she has a break and then I'm back into work in between I have to fit in my my training regime as well and I've learned that with my genetics I need to power down by about 8 o'clock at night and that has I used to work up until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, I don't anymore because it's a false economy you think mm. you are getting more done by being an absolute hard ass entrepreneur who's right. working 18 hours a day all that does is lead to health issues and problems yeah. and sleep deprivation yeah. And yeah. I really am big now on, on finding that balance for the want yeah. of a better word or not overloading my stress, bucket yep. Stress and understanding. I will be more productive on half the amount of time. And in the evenings, I'm I'm usually studying science, and that might sound like work, but for me, that's relaxation. So I'm usually doing three or four hours of study per day because I'm just constantly learning. And but I don't count that as work. I just am very very curious, and it's you know a calming thing for me. Science is a very calming thing. Um, Yeah. So that's sort of my you know average day, and that's all. Those are all ritualized sort of time blocks that I have that fit my genetics and my because I'm very self-aware if you like I'm very aware of my needs and you know I know that my body needs a lot of movement so in between Mm. all of those I'm doing lots of little movement blocks and that might be just 10 press ups in between calls or something like that but I know that I need that so I think small little wee habits that you build on every day. Don't try to, you know, build Rome in a day. Try to do one small thing at a time and work on that for a week or two. And once you've got that nailed in, maybe add in a little another habit and make things easy. Like put little prompts out that get you going. You know, Mm. like if I lay out my gym clothes the night before or I just get up and put my gym clothes on or my running clothes on usually as soon as I get up, because uh, I'm lucky, I don't have to go to the office. I'm then ready to go. There's no excuse for not training. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's yeah, it's
1: making yeah. those little adjustments to make it easier yeah. to do my buddy, things.
0: My buddy of mine had a tip. We used to do uh, we used to do a six a.m. CrossFit class together. Mm-hmm. My buddy, he was just he was like a clock. He, I mean, i was I'm pretty good with discipline, I think, but he was a clock. And I, I was like, how do you do it? And he's like, with these, I don't feel like doing it. I just tell myself, just go downstairs and put one shoe on. Yeah. Just put one shoe brilliant. on. And if you decide you don't want to go, then don't go. Yeah. And then he's like, but as soon as I get that first shoe on, I'm like, why you know, whatever. It's just another shoe and it's a block away. And he goes, and I just loved your routine. I feel like, I feel like we're we're, you know, we're twins in some respect. That's yeah. almost the same as mine. An early start, walk in the morning. I always do some sort of uh, when I walk, I always meditate. I've got different yep. meditations. I skip breakfast if I can. I do a mm-hmm. seven-minute tai chi thing. I did my <laughs> supplements, then Crazy. I work, you know, like eight, seven thirty to eight. Uh, to eleven is you know because that's when I'm best for the hard mental stuff. Then exactly. eleven to about twelve thirty is when I I go to the gym. You know, and time management isn't just time management; it's energy management. It's it is your cycle. It's it's tr- it's knowing yourself and your cycle. And like I said, then you work. I'm really unproductive for anything but meetings from like one p.m. to like maybe six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, six
1: yeah. yeah 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 yeah.
0: That's like the research study time, the eat, the socialize time, and yep. then you know, family time and same with the power down. I used to beat the drum of grit and grind. Yeah. I had this app. I found a way to hack my sleep. There was this app that would wake me up slowly and I found a way that I could actually yeah. function on I've days. got
1: the same app.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And for <laughs> sleep two, cycle. three years, I recorded, yeah, sleep cycle. That was it. And for, I'd say almost three years, I recorded something like 700 nights with that app where it said I was getting six hours of sleep, but wow. then I got a Fitbit that was a heart rate monitor attack. yeah. Yep. And this was a big awakening for me because I thought I was getting six hours a night, but then my Fitbit was like, no, you got four and a half hours. I'm like, wow. how did I get four and a half hours? Wow. And then I realized the sleep cycle, you're, you're it's a start and stop, but you're hitting start when you go to bed, Yeah. And you're hitting stop when you get up. It's not when you actually fall asleep. So I had a six hour window for my sleeping that I wasn't sleeping for six hours. And that's when I kind of realized. And then like you, the reading research, the mortality rate is just through the roof. And so now now I am a consistent six and a half, seven hour, you know, like that is, <laughs> melatonin is my friend. Yes. I, um, me I, too. I <laughs> yeah. And there's a ton of longevity stuff around. Anyways, we'll go with oh, yeah. that. I want to get into another one because I think this is important. It does feed into what you do. I want to talk about genetics. Yeah. And ha- like, nature versus nurture there might be some people listening to this call that maybe feel like they're, they're just doomed, you know like they've been labeled something nah, and can you speak no. to that a little bit like, yeah yeah said, absolutely.
1: and on the epigenetics i'd love to take you through our program because i, I bet we'd be somewhere similar on on the on the scale of things and the, the genetic um, yeah, groupings sure. <laughs> it'd be funny to do so yeah, we do a program, uh, it's all about looking at your genes, but also how they are expressing right now and how to optimize your mm. genes. So uh, genetics is not your destiny. What you need to understand is that most of, like we have a DNA print, like we've inherited from mum and dad all our genes. And yes, that will dictate the color of your eyes and, and perhaps how tall you will grow and things like that. However, it depends on which genes are turned on and off as to how they will really express. And this is mm. when you're, where your environment comes into it. So if you have a combination of knowing what your genetics are and knowing how to optimize them and, and, and avoid trial and error, then you'll be able to do the best with what you've got. So I'll give you an example. So I have uh, this 9P21 gene, uh, a 6G variant, which is a mutation that means I have a very poor enderlethal lining of my blood vessels now that mm-hmm. sounds already fancy well that means that i'm prone to st- heart attacks and strokes right mm. so i have a very weak lining of my vessels now i can look at that and go oh my god i'm going to die of a heart attack at 50 which would be b- two years behind me already yeah.
0: or I like, can i'm gonna go- go run 217 kilometers through Death valley you know
1: <laughs> and probably do more damage i didn't know that at the time <laughs> um yeah so i don't do that it's not you know it's not like health optimization that's more like mental uh, grit and determination but so so what do I do about that? So I optimize my regime for it. I am constantly monitoring my my cholesterol, my blood pressure, my blood sugars. I have uh, supplements that will help me rebuild the lining of my glycocalyx, which is the lining of my blood vessels. The same with my mum; she's got the same genetics. I've obviously inherited from her, so I keep a very close eye on monitoring those things. And I avoid toxins, and I avoid you know too much stress, and mm. all of these things that I now know because I know about genetics. I don't look at that mm. as being. A, Uh, oh my god i'm going to die i I just look at it as being well here is how i can optimize it so that that gene doesn't get turned on if you like it doesn't Mm. actually express and this is where i think people get the wrong picture of genetics it it is not not your destiny you can Mm. influence how your genes express very much by what environment you put yourself in and knowing what environment is good for you and your genes, like knowing that I need to move a lot and knowing that I need a lot of antioxidant support because of the gene combination that I have and knowing that I have a lot of adrenaline. So I need to do yoga and Pilates and meditation and breathing to calm my system down. I know all of that about myself. So it's becoming more self-aware so that I can optimize my my performance and my health and hopefully live, live for a bloody long time. Time is my
0: goal, you know? Yeah, good, good. Me too. I want to live to be 300. And I I want to give people an example because we talk about the genes and whether they express. Like you might have the gene for alcoholism. Yep. If you don't drink, if you are in a dry environment, if you're working in the bush at a dry camp, that gene cannot express. Yeah. That's a great example. Say you might have the gene, it might be hereditary in your that's great. But if you don't, it's like the they say was there's a native story that inside of each of us are two wolves. One is all the good things, you know, our love, our gratitude, our appreciation, our, our you know, our goals and dreams mm-hmm. and our mental fortitude. The other one is all of our bad stuff, our jealousy, our hatred, our envy. And it's like in these these wolves are fighting, and which wolf will win? Well, it's yeah. the wolf will feed. And that's like your genes, you're saying, you know, like you mentioned, even the you said your genes may predetermine how tall you can grow, but if you are malnourished, you won't reach that exactly so it's what genes do I have which ones am I helping achieve their full potential which ones am I you know am I you know isolating and quarantining you know that's yeah I don't want to you know
1: and, like and this it. is why, you know, like knowing this information, this is why we, ha- we have this program so that we can help people eliminate that trial and error and and optimize their lifestyle and go for the low-hanging fruit too. Mm-hmm. Do the mm-hmm. things that come easy and and just knowing how your personality works and what your, your dominant hormones are. And, you know, I know that I have a lot of adrenaline. That means I'm a risk taker. I'm an action taker. I can be quite fiery if I don't get a lot of movement or if I don't get mm-hmm. fed regularly. You know, so I know that. So it helps me manage my personality as well Mm -hmm. and to make me a better person, you know, so that I'm not horrible to my husband or something because, you know, he, he, like he, for his genetics, he needs more time to plan and he's very systems man and he does everything super properly. Whereas I'm like in a hurry all the time. So Mm. that could be a trouble in the marriage. But now that we know that about each other, we, we, we give each other that space to be, you know, well, most of the time we still have the odd arguments, but you know.
0: <laughs> I love that. Can you can you talk about your program a little bit? Like, how does it work? how do How do you figure out? How does someone get a, a review of their dean? Like, of their, yeah. their do they have Wait. to like? we have to like give you a pint of blood? No, what, so
1: we actually, we, we do use different um, programs. So uh, we have two or three different genetic testing ch- things that we use, but our main one is an assessment, doing a big 45 minute assessment online. So you don't even have to go and spit into a vial or anything. Mm. And what this does is it takes 10,000 data points and it goes into these algorithms. And this has been developed by hundreds of scientists across 15 different science disciplines. So this is not you know coming from us. And this this gives us reports about our genes and the combination of genes at play and how they're expressing right now. So, the things that you might be predisposed to, but also things like the exact foods that you should have for your genes. So, yeah. right down to eat spinach, don't eat bok choy, you know, or <laughs> eat almonds, don't eat cashew nuts. Or, you should be exercising at ideally between 1 and 5 pm in the afternoon and don't get up at 5 a.m. to do a CrossFit cast because that's going to smash your hormones because right, they're. Right placing at that time so this is just mm. gold information you know like yeah, it really that, is that's
0: huge yeah that is huge it's like those old school nintendo cheat codes like your <laughs> player like in it the is key code. Yeah, that's what that is. That's no, it. pretty
1: epic. It is, it is. And we love it using it with our athletes that we train and also in the corporate setting for team building, for understanding other personality types, right through to people with really difficult health issues who are trying to optimize, you know, their lifestyle for their for their mm-hmm. for their life or or you know coaches and executives who are wanting to optimize their performance. Where where would someone go
0: if they wanted more information on that?
1: Um well, I'd love everybody to check out my website. Um, lisa tamati.com so tamati is t-a-m-a-t-i lisa tamati.com everything's housed on there pretty much and you can follow me on instagram and all of that sort of jazz lisa tamati on facebook and instagram and on youtube but yeah that's that's where people would find out about the epigenetics program or they can just you know email me via the by the website
0: and where do you think the future of this is going like how do you think oh, yeah. in this respect? yeah
1: yeah, I mean, the personalization should be in every aspect of what we're doing. We now have the information to be able to personalise. So if you go to your doctor, or you go to a personal trainer, or you go to a, uh, I don't know, some sort of health professional, if 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 they can personalise it to you, they're at the cutting edge because that's where it becomes powerful. If we all have the, and we used to train people like one size fits all because we didn't have this information, but now I'll give you an example. I used to make my husband get up at 5am and do a CrossFit workout. Now for my genetics, that's perfectly fine. I'm good at high-intensity, short, sharp trainings, right. and I my ATP replaces very quickly. I can do back-to-back sets, and that time of the morning, it's a little bit early, but it's not too bad for me, for my genetics. For my husband, his hormones, his testosterone is replacing at that time of the day. That's not a good time for him to be up mm-hmm. for a start. He should be in he's bed. He's stressing system. Yep, time. and his stressing his testosterone, and as a male, that's a bad thing to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Then he's doing CrossFit, which for his genetics is a complete wrong exercise. So he would put on weight on a regime like that Ooh. instead of losing weight. So for him, long distance endurance-based exercises done mainly in the afternoon, as well as heavy, heavy load bearing, whereas my body can't take heavy load. I should do weights that are in the middle of the, the line, not really heavy stuff, whereas his body responds better to heavy weights with long pauses between the sets if that makes sense. So just understanding those couple of aspects have made a game changer. Like he was putting on weight because I was making him get up early and causing a cortisol rise, causing his blood sugars to go up, smashing his testosterone levels and causing havoc for him because I didn't know at that point that that's what his genetic makeup was. Now we know better, you know, and that's where it's Mm. just gold.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, oh, I, I love that so much. Honestly, people listening to this, if you don't want this information about yourself, I just, I, yeah, I, I have no dog in this fight. So there's no benefit to me. But I just I think the power of this stuff is phenomenal. I mean, the more you know yourself, the more empowered you are to, to understand your true potential. And it's really tough for us to understand ourselves. I, I think it's a, I forget if it's Taoist or Wu Wei, but they're kind of like fire can't understand itself because it understands wood you know what i mean like yes. that it's that concept so it's really tough for our ourselves to, like that's i think why a lot of people can uh benefit so much and why a lot of people struggle to have a long term relationship and why we value it because when you're just like a single person and you're having you know your friends and stuff if you are uh, abrasive or you know you've got un you know, if you yeah. got rough edges, it's easy for people to insulate themselves from you. You know, yep. they just take a break. You don't hear from them for a while, then they come back. But when you share a living space with someone, you see them every day. There, yeah, you can't Actually hide. your life. It's it's like a, it's you know the echo. Like you you know, I feel like life is very Shakespearean, and Shakespeare, all of the main characters fell victim to their greatest flaws type thing. And I feel like wow. that's kind of like when you share that space, you see that. And so this mm-hmm. is this is just a you're talking about being able to see. Literally, you're being self-aware of your, of yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people love personality testing that, but imagine understanding. Like oh, this the, is Nick's label. Yeah. That. The, <laughs> the whole, <laughs> your body and your own rhythms. I just think that's incredible and i
1: and i think it's really important for relationships not just for the food and exercise point of view but to understand who you are and 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 for accepting yourself because you know like for for many years when i was a young woman and especially in my gymnastic days i wanted to be the skinny little tiny little person that i wasn't i was a strong tall muscular and 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 for me to like hit, see that in my genetics now and go Hell, I was just fighting my genes every step of the way. Instead of accepting and embracing who I am and knowing that that I'm okay as I am, and 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 that it's a waste of my time and energy trying to be, you know, I don't know, some super skinny model type girl because that is not me. And, mm-hmm. and and fighting against your own genetics will never bring you happiness. You know, mm-hmm. and it, and we're all different, and we're all different for a reason because we used to have different roles in the tribe and mm-hmm. w- if we go back to our evolutionary days this is where it's all developed from because we all needed to be different because we had different roles like you said yeah. you might have been off hunting the antelope while i, I might have been at home teaching the kids how to do something or you know whatever right. my role was yeah. but when we understand that we all had different shapes and sizes and strengths and weaknesses because of the roles that we developed over millennia, then those are still present in us today. And that's okay to be as we are and embracing who we are. And and that's one of the great things with this program
0: is that people just go, oh, so that's why I do what I do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you were asking a fish to climb a tree, you'd spend a lot. Yeah. You know, there'd be a lot of frustration going on. And you know, I think the word, a great word for it is ecosystem. We you know, we are a part of an ecosystem, and in any ecosystem, you know, if we just look at birds, for example, there'll be some birds that eat insects, there'll be some birds that eat fish, there'll be birds that eat other birds, there'll be yep. birds that eat nuts and seeds, and they're all birds, but they're all slightly different. And I, you know, I usually use that analogy in talking about business and target marketing and niching because everybody wants to be for everyone, right? Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's why, you know, but it, the truth is there's riches and niches, bitches. And that's not even, <laughs> that's also for yourself and understanding what, what niche you belong to. Who exactly. Tribe. And who yeah. exactly
1: you are. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, I know we we'll would probably wrap up in, in a little bit, Daryl, but I just wanted to touch on some of the sporting stuff. You know, like I've had, had the privilege of, you know, doing over 25 years worth of ultra marathon running and, you know, leading expeditions and stuff and crazy places on the planet. And, you know, often when people would ask me, why the hell would you do that? Because it must be just like super scary, super painful, very expensive, no money in it, not a heck of a lot of glory, no stadiums full of people. Why would you do that? You know, and it's like because you learn so much about who you are when you push outside your comfort zone and you take on challenges mm-hmm. that scare the crap out of you mm-hmm. and you overcome them. You know, you it, it's so rewarding. You know, like artificially doing a race or climbing a mountain or doing something—it's all man-made. And yeah, we, we. But in our in our evolution again, like going back to our evolutionary biology, we used to have to fight for a living. We used to have to explore and adventure and pioneer and discover, but to survive. And that's still part of our DNA. And when we when we live cushy lives with comfortable. You know, always in a you know, nice warm room with our TVs and our fridges full of food, our bodies don't like that. Mm. And our mental well-being suffers. When we push ourselves and we do things that are scary and we overcome challenges, and you know, in my case, you don't need to do this, but it was running across deserts all around the world from you know, Death Valley to the Gobi to the Arabian Desert, Libyan, Niger, Jordan you know, Egypt, uh, all over the place, the Himalayas. You you find out who you are when you're stripped bare, because you cannot you cannot hide when you're pushing those sorts of limits and you're, you're you're you find out who you are when it comes to the crunch, you know? And if you can push through and overcome and and achieve, or even if you fail, you learn just so much about who you are and what you're capable of that then other things don't scare you as much. And so it lifts mm-hmm. your horizon and you become stronger and more resilient and you have a better self-esteem and you can look yourself in the mirror and go, she, I did well at that, you know,
0: yeah and, yeah, it, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's not about winning or being the first. Well, certainly that wasn't the case for me, but it was more about I overcame myself to do something that was dreadfully hard and, and, quite painful at times and quite frightening and sometimes dangerous, but I did it and I overcame it and I achieved it. And therein lies so much value, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a really powerful message for people to hear. And I think a lot of people are on that journey as well. And, you know, in 5,000 years, none of this is probably going to matter. So, <laughs> you know, we, are, we we don't know what's after this life, so you know. No, go
1: we don't. don't. You
0: can't yeah. you can't take anything with you once you go past, and so that that I think just think that personal journey is such a huge 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 part of it.
1: Yeah, right. and it doesn't need to be running. I mean, you know, like you jujitsu. You know, like I'm I'm sure when you go to jujitsu training, uh, you get you know the hell you know knocked out of you on occasion and you're thinking why the hell am I doing this or how frightening it is or how hard it is and you don't feel like it but you do it anyway
0: we used to always joke that, you know, martial arts is the only, you know, the only thing where if your teacher can't beat you up, you're disappointed, you know, like, cause then if, the, if you like took your kids to football practice and the coach was beating up your the kids, they'd be, an outcry know, you know, your gymnastic teacher is choking <laughs> out kids, students, they'd be like, what is going on here? You know, but <laughs> if you can beat up your teacher, you're like, nah, you know, like, I don't know, maybe there's someone like, you know, it's that, where's that wall? I can't climb. It's almost yeah. like eating into the hard part. So this, this has been a fantastic interview. There's so much great content here. People may want to listen to this more than once to make sure they get it all. Now, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you?
1: Oh, that's a really good question I think i what i what I want people to take away from this is that you are capable of far more than you think that mm-hmm. the fact that we're alive is like like the odds are so fast stacked against us, so like Daryl said, you know we only get one shot at this or we think we only get one shot at this. We're not sure, but you know we need to make the most out of this life and and like Daryl said to me prior to this interview, everyone, he said. Oh, I got off the the call the other day, and I was like, "Wow, she's really intense," and I and, I, and I'm like that too. And and I thought, yeah, I am really intense, but that's cool you know because I'm just excited about life you know right, and yeah if we can retain that childhood childlike sort of curiosity and what you know desire to learn and you know it doesn't matter whether you fall on your face regularly but if you if you can believe in yourself and and back back you know find someone to back you if you don't you know, like find a mentor, find a coach, if you can't afford it, go on Blim and YouTube and podcasts and find the best teachers, because that's, that's what I do, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to have lots of money to find really great teachers nowadays, if you no. haven't got that resource, but just take action now, live your life hard out, and reach for some big goals, but work your way up to them, and yeah. don't let people, you know, like I was told with my mum, you can't, she's she's buggered she'll never do anything again well now she's just walked in with the groceries and you know she's she's fine you know um yeah. she's not meant to be fine she's not meant to be alive you know so you, they're not always right those experts who tell you you can't do something you don't always have to believe it I, when someone says to me you can't do that I go thanks very much for your advice i am go and find someone else who tells me I can I love that. Yes.
0: I would only, my only addition would be daily focus. Just day, if it's important to you, it belongs on your calendar every single day. You know, just when you look outside, you know, the squirrels, the birds, the fish, no one's like, oh, I worked so hard this week. I'm not, don't need to go get any food today. You know, (laughs) if any predators come around, I'm going to tell them to come back Monday. I'm not running this weekend. Right. Like that just doesn't (laughs) exist. That's a luxury that we've created that doesn't necessarily serve us. So it's okay yeah. to have downtime. Okay oh, to, yeah. Don't, nope. yeah,
1: like recovery, I think, is undervalued. I do think we do, especially, you know, the people like listening to this, probably type A personalities going hard all the time. Don't mm-hmm. forget you do need recovery. It is okay to take time out because you're actually, that's a part of the whole process too. I, I know you do, Daryl, and I schedule in downtime mm-hmm. because I and otherwise I know I'll work right through it. And then my, my family suffers and I blow up and I've burnt out and blown up so many times in my life. I, I, I slowly woken to the idea that, gee, maybe I'm not as tough as I thought I was. And I need to back down sometimes and have a rest.
0: <laughs> yeah. My, my dad did something to me that really helped drive that home once he was like, you know, Daryl silence is part of music too. Wow. Not just, not just noise, but the key very wise that, man. It's, it's intentional. Yep. And I think that's it. So we, that's why I ever say daily. Even if the daily thing, test days rest, it's intentional. It's yeah. intentional silence. It's not. It's not neglect. So it's not
1: laziness. That. It's yeah. not laziness. It's doing things with a with a purpose, and sometimes that purpose is recovery, and downtime, and family time, and those things that are important. Like this is one of the, and I'll, and I'll leave you with this one. You know, like one of the f- mistakes that I did make in in the last probably few years. Where I've been going hard out in business was sometimes my family paid the price. Not so much since Mum got sick because I've been fully focused on her, mm-hmm. but you know, where where my husband's come up short, my dad came up short and I lost him, you know, because mm-hmm. I perhaps was so focused on mum and business. No, 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 that no. I missed. Don't say that. It's not it's well, you know, like you know what I mean? Like, but yep. but just don't cut short living as well, like spending time with your family is really, really important. And that's why you're working. So sometimes yeah, I have to remind myself, why am I working so hard so that I can Mm. provide for my family? Mm. And, and therefore, sometimes it's better to just have time with the family so that you can actually enjoy the living years, you know?
0: I love that. I love that. Everyone listening to go check out Lisatamati.com Yep, lisatamadi.com. Yep, that's <S-A-M-A-T-I>. one. There's also runninghotcoaching.com and peakwellness.co.nz. That's Please, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such an honor and a pleasure. We'll definitely have to have you back on at some point. And just thank you so much for coming and sharing because you could have been spending time with your family. You could have been spending time with your podcast, your listeners, your clients, your customers. So thank you for coming and sharing your blessings with my followers.
1: Daryl, you're epic, and I can't wait to have you on my podcast, Pushing the Limits. I'm waiting, you know, really stoked about that interview, and I really honor and thank you for the work that you're putting out there into the world.
0: You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you?